Well, good morning, everybody. To you who are here, to you who are online, welcome to the first Advent in Sunday of Advent in the new year. And this is the church, when the church begins its new year. And to me, it is always a surprising and a, and, a, and a sort of a relearning, so to speak. The year does not begin with sort of a, um, a like a, a party. The year begins in quiet waiting, in, in a hope, in, in a sense of like we've not arrived yet. The thing that yet we want is not yet here. So it's different than like the calendar year on January the 1st when we celebrate and yes, it's a new year, it's a chance to renew, the old things are gone and the new things are coming. And, but the church year begins with a quietness about it. It begins in the midst of despair, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of gloom, in the midst of tragedy. We wait. The angels announce there's a king coming. And oh man, in this year 2020, do we ever need that, right? In this year 2020, which is like Advent like no other, but maybe an Advent in a sense of in its truest form. This has been hard. We have been waiting. This has been unlike anything. We, we want this to be done. We are longing for this to be done. This has been more stress than we have ever, for many of us, have ever experienced. We've had to do new things, develop new habits, develop new patterns, lose things that we deeply wanted, give up things that we cherished and we're looking forward to. And in this moment, it feels like this will never end, doesn't it? It feels like the stress sometimes is unmanageable. The, the uncertainty is unfathomable. What other unwords can I match here? This is really unreasonable, isn't it? 2020, you're unreasonable. Get yourself together. <laughs> but in this moment, we celebrate hope. In the midst of all this, we proclaim that hope is real, that we are not giving up because we believe that God is still on the move, that we believe that God still hears us. We believe that God is still here, and God will yet show up, will redeem us. And so in the midst of this space and this darkness, we come to Advent. We come to the new church year. I was thinking about stress this week, as I often do. I talk about it a lot, I know, but stress is a constant part of our life, and it is a part of our life that disrupts us, that makes us um, do things that we would rather not do, that we didn't even want to do. Why do I do the things I don't want to do, uh, Paul said in Scripture. Stress, that's why. That's why you do things you don't want to do, because life is so stressful and your brain is not functioning correctly. I was thinking about stress, and I, again, I always try to find new information for you to, to remind you how damaging stress is. And I don't know if this is helpful or not, but sometimes we feel like, yes, we know stress is bad, but how do we get out of it? Well, I don't know. You need to talk to somebody else for that. I can just tell you how bad it is, <laughs> All right? But I was thinking about, I think about this, like our, the brain on stress doesn't think well. It doesn't make good rational decisions. And I think we're seeing this all over, aren't we? Like we're not making good decisions. Like right now, don't, don't make any huge life choices right now. Um, like, like wait it out a little bit and then just, just wait it out and see. And then make those choices. But I think like stress does this, chronic stress does this to you. It increases mental illness. Like your capacity kind of breaks your brain down in such a sense of, um, and, 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 and then it, what it does, secondly, it, um, 
It diminishes your decision making and, and your problem solving ability. So if you, have you ever felt like in the last couple months, like a cloud, like you're just not functioning like you used to be, like you have this brain cloud? That's stress. You're not making decisions as, as, as efficiently and as well as you used to do. That's stress. And right now, don't beat yourself up because that is normal. Like we are in the midst of a stress tornado that is a, a tsunami, a tr- whatever stress weather metaphor you want to make. Third, it kills brain cells and lessens, literally lessens your ability to think. Kills brain cells. It, get this, st- chronic stress will actually shrink your brain size. That's, it's true. It's a true story. And, and lastly, it hurts your memory. Like, it becomes hard to recall things, doesn't it? Like, why did I enter this room? Like, I, don't, I have no idea why I came here. I, why am I in here? Like, I knew what I wanted to do here. When I, nobody? Just me? No. I know that's everybody. Where did I put my keys? What did my, what did my, what did my wife tell me to get at the grocery store? I mean, she, she told me I should have made a list. I should have made a list. I can't remember. Yeah, like, this is, this is life, right? Like, this is in the moment of stress of where we are, of like we are in a really hard place. So if you're feeling like you're in a hard place, it, this, it's probably normal to completely feel like that because the weight that we are all under right now is immense. It is hard. This is difficult. Nobody is doing great. Nobody is making it perfect. Nobody, everybody has a little road rage from time to time. Everybody forgets why you went into that room. Everybody is, feels so bad sometimes right now. The scriptures today, there's two of them, one from Isaiah and one from Mark, and this will kind of be the balance. We, 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 in this season of Advent, we always get to hear from the prophets because the prophets are the ones who are in the midst of this despair are proclaiming a future hope. And here they are again in Isaiah writing about the coming of the king in so many ways. And this, I thought today, was fitting for 2020 because it, it fits us. And the scriptures are a little bit long, so cozy up, grab your coffee if you're at home. And um, Isaiah 64, Oh, Lord, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you you who acts on behalf of those who wait for you you come to help those who gladly do right who remember your ways but when we continue to sin against them you were angry how then can we be saved all of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags we all shrivel up like a leaf and like the winds, our sin sweeps us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, O Lord, are God. We are the clay and you are the potter. We all are the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray. For we are all your people. This is the word of God for us and all the people of God. This is a message here of feeling 
Like when God hides God's self, what do we become? Like this is, this is what it's saying here. Like God, that you would just come down like you used to. God, that you would just show up like you did back then. God, that you would just move the mountains and cause water to boil and come with your fire and your judgment. Like, like we have heard stories, but where are you, God? Where are you? You've turned your face. And, and God does not become angry with us. Anger is a human emotion rooted in a sense of a lack of control when things don't go our way. And, of course, God would not feel anger because God is God. God can see all things. God understands all things, so God would not get angry. But, but the way in Scripture, sometimes we need words to describe God's absence or how we feel God's absence. And that word often in scripture is, God, why are you angry with us? Why are you hiding yourself from us? But God does not hide God's self from us. When we feel like God is hiding, maybe we should ask ourselves the question, where are we looking? And what God are we looking for? For maybe we are looking for the wrong God in the wrong place, right? For God does not hide God's self from us. But sometimes we feel like that, don't we? 2020, it feels like God is hiding from us because we have become so stressed and this weight and burden of life has come down upon us and we feel so like we are unraveling at the seams. And so naturally, because we have this feeling inside, this stress in our mind, this uncomfortable, uncomfortableness in our heart and our soul, that we respond to God. God, things aren't like they used to. Where are you? I don't feel like I used to feel. Where are you, God? Where are you? And so we say, God, why are you hiding from us? But here it's interesting that since, in the book of Isaiah, it says, since we feel this way, now we are sinning. Because we have lost sight, and now we are going on our own way, out from the protection and blessing of God, out from the ways of God, into ourselves, into ourselves. And so we do bad things. We hurt one another. We cause injustice. We cause pain upon each other because we've in many ways tuned out to what God is doing. We get so stressed in our minds, in our souls, in our lives, that things aren't normal anymore. And in that space, we tune out, don't we? I mean, I'm, this never happens to us. So this is just like ancient times, right? In Isaiah, thousands of years ago. This would never, I mean, never us. We would never tune out to what God is doing, right? Not at all. But yes, we do, don't we? Because life becomes so hard. And this is a message over and over and over again in Scripture. That, that life is really difficult. And we face things that we've never faced before. And we lose our focus. And we lose our minds in some ways. We, we get stressed. And we hurt each other. And we cut off relationships. And, and we feel like God is so far. God, where are you? But in reality, God has not left. God has not even moved. It is us that have moved. It is us who have gone away. It is us who have tuned out. But God understands this, I believe. I was praying last night, and the moon was so bright, and I was outside, and I wasn't praying to the moon, but I was looking at the moon while I was praying, and, and, I, and I just prayed, God, this is so hard. And, and I feel the weight of so many people, like how difficult this time is. Forgive us, God, for tuning out. Forgive us for 
becoming selfish. Forgive us for seeking our own ways. Forgive us, God. And I just felt this sense of relief in that moment that God has seen all this before, that God was not angry or upset or wants to punish us, but this deep compassion that God has upon every single person in an understanding of saying, I get it. I know you've gone through a hard time. God understands, I think. And so in that, as a sense of of not feeling the shame of life because life is hard and we don't always react in the way that we wish we would have. But I don't think it's right to feel shame for that because when we feel shame for not acting in the right way, that's going to force us to, to, to even worsen our actions. But to realize God is love and God is gingerly calling us back. And I think this is the message in many ways of Advent. This is the message of our second piece of Scripture, which goes like this. In Mark 13, this is a strange Scripture to come in Advent, right? Because in Advent, we're just like, oh, Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the little drummer boy, right? (laughs) It's like, feels good. We put up our Christmas tree yesterday, and it just felt good. It's so cozy, and it feels so good. At night, the lights are shining, and you're like, yes, but... Like, that's not, the, that's not the scriptural message for Advent. The scriptural message for Advent is judgment. Ooh. But when, we hear you, when you hear that word, judgment, you're like, well, what do you think of? You think of bad things, right? Like, oh my gosh, God's going to judge us, and we are going to be smitten with smite and sent to hell. Oh no, God's judgment. But like, no, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Judgment is just making things right. That, that's, that's what a judgment is. And so a judgment, when for, for one person may seem bad, but for another person it's really good, right? But for both people, a judgment should be restorative. The best judgments are ones that restore the perpetrator and restore the victim, both to their common humanity and their common dignity to one another that rights the wrongs but balances the equation. That's a judgment. That's what God is doing. This Advent, when God moves, when God comes, God is interrupting, intruding upon our lives, intruding upon the way that things have gone, interrupting 2020 and saying, now, now comes judgment. But not judgment in terms of fire and brimstone, but love. That's God's judgment. Love to set things right, to make things good. And in this Advent season, maybe, maybe we should embrace this judgment to say, God, judge me. Take away some things that I need to be removed of. Take away my, my, the, the way that I long for approval. Take away, God, my, my, my anger that I get when things don't go my way. Take away, God, the way that I hurt other people. Take away, God, the way that I pull away from those closest to me because I feel exposed. Take away, God, the church's judgment upon the world. Take away, God, the way that the church mistreats each other, the way that we have divided sheeps and goats and thinking that we are God. Take away our pride. This is judgment. And these are good things. In this Advent season, we should pray, God, come, come, 
Bring your judgment to us. Set us free from the things that bind our hearts. Set us free from the ways that we destroy one another with our pride and power and anger. Set us free, God, to love. Set us free. That is what God is doing in this Advent season, interrupting the way that we do things, interrupting our stress responses, interrupting the status quo and saying, I'm going to make something new here. That may hurt a little bit, but it will bring life, always. And so this is our text in Mark 13. It says, but in those days following the distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and he will, find, he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the earth, ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn the lesson of the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you will know that it is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Jesus here was talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, Rome destroying Jerusalem's temple, which actually happened a few years after Jesus' death. But about that hour and day, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only God. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. Now, this is speaking to us as well. Be on alert. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with an assigned task and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come, whether in the evening or in the midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch, stay awake, watch, stay awake. But we have a tendency to fall asleep, don't we? We have a tendency to doze off. We get really tired. We get knocked out sometimes. I I played football for a little while. Um, I I had this biological jackpot um, that I had my growth spurt before everybody else did. You wouldn't be able to tell it, I know right now, but believe me, it's a true story. (laughs) So like the seventh, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, I was quite large. It was a grand time to be alive for Jason Butler because that time has diminished and passed and now I'm a wee lad living in a world of large people, large men. It's, um, but, but anyway, um, despite my, my trauma, which I experienced then, I, I played football um, early on, and I was pretty good and because I was big, and I was running back. But I played mostly offense, but sometimes I played defense in practice, only in practice. I never played in a game in defense. I just played in practice, and they had me at safety. And um, anyway, there was another quite large human about that age, quite large 13-year-old, and um, he was, he broke free in the practice squad, and I was the safety and the last guy there, and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to tackle him. Remember, like, I don't play defense, I play offense, and I had to tackle this guy, and I tried. I really tried. And he hit me like a train. 
and I fell over, and he knocked me out. <laughs> he knocked me out. I tried, so I wake up, you know, and there's stars flashing everywhere in my, in my, in my face, and everybody's laughing at me, because um, that's what, you know, boys do to one another when you get hurt. They're like, oh, look what happened to you, man. <laughs> Not, no concern. But the coach took out, in that moment, took out some smelling salts. You know, I don't know what they're made of, but something, uh, pneumonia, uh, ammonia, not pneumonia, <laughs> no, ammonia, and he, he, you know, waved it in front of my nose, and that, that, like, whoa, that woke me up, it woke me up. Whoa, where am I? What am I doing? I think this is what we need right now. We need some s- smelling salts, don't we? Because life has knocked us out. Life has ground us down. Life has put us sort of in a space where we're uncertain where we're, we don't know quite how to move, how to interact. Our, our patterns have gotten thrown out, and maybe we've fallen asleep. Maybe we've tuned out. But this Advent season, God is saying, watch, wake up, watch, wake up, watch, wake up. God is up to something. God is on the move. God is going to restore and make all things new. When it feel, feels like God may not be here, when it feels like God may have abandoned us, when it feels like God may have hidden God's self, we need to remember that God is right here. It is just us who's looking in the wrong place. It's us who have fallen asleep. It's us who have dozed off. It's us who have begun chasing after other things. And so in this Advent season, we need to reset ourselves. We need to retune our antennae retune our radio stations to what really matters. How do we do that? I came up with a couple things. Of course, that's what I do. How do we do that? How do we tune back in to what God is doing when it seems like God is far away? How do we stay awake when the night seems so long? I think the first thing that we do is we need to just ask the question, am I tuned into what God is doing? I mean, that, that's central to me. Am I tuned into what God is doing? Am I paying attention to what God is doing in the world? I mean, like, right, we, we live in a world where we're, we're tuned into certain things. You are tuned in to college basketball right now, right? You're tuned in to NC State or Carolina or Duke, whoever it is for you. You're tuned in. You know what the score was. You know what's going on. You know if they won yesterday, right? Because you're tuned in. Sometimes, sometimes we're like, well, somebody's like, what's going on at church? I'm like, I, 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 you know, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, what, what's Carolina's record? Oh, let me tell you about that. Did you see the freshman who was like, 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 like how, how about NC State basketball? Like, oh, okay. But, you know, like, <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, gosh. Sorry, State fans. I do love you all. Are you tuned in? I can't recover from that one, can I? Just came out. Freudian slip. But, like, we're tuned in, aren't we, to certain things that we care about, that we love? Are we tuned in to, the, to what's happening in the Democratic Party, to the Republican Party? Are we tuned into the stock market because we have stocks there? Are we tuned in to what Apple's doing and their next release, the next iPhone, the next watch, whatever? You know, sometimes we're like, well, you know, I'm not really... We need to retune in. What is God doing? Why aren't we quite as tuned in to church and what God is doing as we are to other things? You're like, well, you know, I mean, the, I mean, the church hasn't really reached out to me in the way that it should. The, the pastor, I mean, he hasn't called me in a while. Like, has Roy Williams called you in a little while? Has Mike Krzyzewski called you in a little while? Hmm? Has that happened? No. Has Tim Cook 
the president and the CEO of Apple? Has he called you to ask you to, hey, be involved in what Apple is doing? Did Joe Biden call you to congratulate you on the victory? They're like, no, no, but you're still tuned in, aren't you? That's right. Like I said, one of the biggest misunderstandings I think we have of the church here in America, we think that the church is here to serve me, you, the individual. But that's not, that's not the way the church works. You are here to serve God through the church. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is your calling. This is how you live out your faith. And yes, we serve one another. Absolutely. I serve you. You serve me. We serve one another. But right now, we need to not make excuses about why we're not tuned in. And we need to like be, be honest. What, what, what's going on? We need to retune really in to what God is doing. And oftentimes, a tangible way to do that is through church. It's through engagement. It's through getting involved. It's through connecting. It's through knowing what's going on. Second, engage. It'll be hard, of course. Engage in what God is doing. We got to form a new habit. We have to rehabituate ourselves. We have to rehabit, right? Because we got out of the habit of going to church. We got out of the habit of connecting. We got out of the habit of giving. We got out of the habit of volunteering. We got out of the habit of doing these things. We got out of a lot of habits, right? But right now, we need to get back into it, like exercise. We got out of the habit of going to the gym, and now you're like, well, I'll go next week. And next week, I, you know, I'll go next week. And I'll go after Thanksgiving. And it, well, it's after Thanksgiving now. And so, like, that is hard, isn't it, to do that thing again? But we got to do it. But once you know, you know, like, once you get into that habit and you start going and going and going, it's, it's going to become natural, and it's actually going to feel good. Because what does stress, what, what does church do? Well, we get to come together. We get to serve one another. We get to share how we love one another. We get to sing together or hum together or sit there while somebody else is singing and, you know, COVID with our masks. But we get, we get to connect with each other. We get opportunities to serve one another. We get opportunities to, to operate in compassion with one another in our community. And all of these ways reduce stress. The, the functionality of church directly relieves the stress that you experience in life directly. When we are engaged deeper in church, we will, be, we will experience less stress in our bodies, happier, healthier lives. Third, how do we tune into what God is doing? We ask the questions, am I tuned into what God is doing? We engage in what God is doing. And third, I think we give to what God is doing. We give to it because where your treasure is, there will your heart be, right? I um, back right after right after March, right after coronavirus came out, and um, I, you know, we were all sort of bored looking for new things because we're all stuck in our house. We're not working as much, and so I, like many people, downloaded um, what was called a Robinhood app, a Robinhood, and it's like a stock market app where you can buy and sell stocks. And you know, for a little while, I don't have much money, but I just thought, oh, I'll buy a couple stocks here. Um, so I bought like a Tesla stock, and I was watching it for a couple months. And let me tell you, like every hour I was checking how this thing was doing. And it would go up and it would come down. And it would go up and it would come down. It went up and I was like, yes, I made $7 today. And it would go down. I'm like, no, I can't stand to lose $15. I can't. But like it would go up and go down. And I, I was checking it so much. Like, I had to be like, I got, I got to get out of this. This is ridiculous. Like this is destroying my life. I'm not even paying attention to my kids anymore. I just want to know, what is the stock market doing? How is Tesla doing? Like, like, 
You realize, wow, when you invest in something, you care about it. When, when, you, when we give to something, we care about it. And I think we need to give to what God is doing in the world. And sometimes that's at church, and sometimes that's through other things. And I know in this hard season right now, we are unsure and uncertain about our financial futures. And I get it. And I know we may give less, and I understand. But I think it's important to continue to engage in this sense to give. And like us, like any church, like, you know, we, we were, you know, our, our monthly, it, like we were about 25000 a month at the February. And now we're about $9,000 a month in offerings. So that's a big difference. And like we're in bone. Like we are in that place of taking from reserves to get through. And I don't know, you know how long we can do that, how much longer that that will be manageable. And I'm not saying this to put guilt on anybody at all. I know these are unprecedented times. These are difficult times. But we, like um, any other organization, depend upon the engagement and the giving of our members. That's how the church survives. That's how it is. And it's a hard time right now. But I think, but I think that indicates the sort of engagement level. It was always that way. Your giving level is, is not just about your giving level. It's not just about keeping the lights on. It's about the engagement and the work you do in the community. And so there's always this correlation. The, the, the more that you see people engaging, the more people are engaging. But the less people are engaging, the less people are engaging. And I know, like, I get it. It's 2020 and everything's thrown upside down. But at some point, we got to come back and we got to say, all right, this may be our new normal for a while. We're going to have to figure out how we do life in this space, how we do church in this space. Because you know what? It may be years before we fill up this room again in like, like it was a year ago. And so we have to reassume ourselves. We have to reorganize. And so... That is our call in this Advent. I think what a, what a better season than do this right now in Advent. To reorganize ourselves, our lives. To rehabit ourselves. To retune in to what God is doing. So today, may we wake up. May we, may God put the smelling salts in our noses. Oh, yes, yes, yes. May we, on this first Advent season, be reawakened to what God is doing in the world. And may we be re-energized to tune in again. That's our prayer. Because God has not forgotten us. And God has not left us. And hope is real. And it is here because we believe that God will always hold us close. So today, don't give up. Don't give in. Today, reorganize ourselves and reinvest in what God is doing in the world. It is a new year for the church. So let us begin this year with hope, with joy, being people of peace, giving peace and life to the world. As we prepare our hearts for communion, let's pray.